back like we never left. It's Double Move Sports. As always, I'm Stuff Albiero. I'm here with a very, very special guest. Guy, I'm hyped to have on the pod today. More for my own personal reasons, like the content part aside, I just have so many questions I want to get into. It's Angelo Fantasy. I'll introduce you in a second, but I want to start with a little bit of background, why I'm so hyped to have you on the show. We started Double Move Sports back 2019, and the focus for us was start-sit decisions, going super granular, just looking at week-to-week -week in the NFL. Then that we started to zoom out a little bit. We went redraft. We went, let's focus on mock drafts, drafting the preseason, looking at the 2020 class. And it was like, oh, this is kind of fun looking at these college prospects, guys, before they even touch the NFL field, sort of building out our own projections, draft season content. And then we said, let's go all in on redraft for 2020, sprinkle in a little bit of dynasty, still finding our niche, you know. And then we said, hey, redraft season's over. It's all dynasty time. And here we are. We're, we're still raw when it comes to, you know, the, the, the Debbie nerds the hardcore college film tape grinder. So I wanted to bring one of those, one of the masters, one of the experts of this field. This is Angelo Fantasy. You can find him on Twitter at Angelo underscore fantasy, angeloanalysis.com. I'll put all the links down in the description below. Angelo, how you doing today? Appreciate you coming hey, up, brother. Hey, man, anytime. It's been a long time coming. Um, I, I appreciate it, man. Um, it's going to be a fun show. I'm excited. Now you got, I, I know you got the rookie draft guide coming out after the draft once we know some of these landing spots. But I want to make sure any, anything you want to plug here, anything new. I, we were talking about the new grading system. So hyped for that. Yeah, man. Uh, I think that's probably the biggest thing that's, I guess, been the longest time coming. I mean, the last couple of years, I've been working on it, um, kind of trying to decipher, you know, what I want to put in it uh, and, and make sure it's good to go and it's, you know, actionable content. So um, the Ascension grading system is going to be coming out pretty soon. So my hope is the next couple of weeks go pretty smoothly and I'll get it out um, by early to mid February. That'd be fantastic. Um, then a lot of the same stuff that we're going to, that we've seen in the last couple of years with the Y series um, and the prospect profiles. And I think what I'm going to probably do this year as well is uh, instead of give like a, you know, a long, like a long winded breakdown on each prospect, I'm going to do a, like a five to eight minute prospect podcast um, on, on, yes. each, on, on each guy, um, kind of like an audio form, not like in true podcast form. It's going to go to like the Apple or anything like that. Um, but just on the, on the prospects profile on the website, um, just so you can kind of get my thoughts, you know, in, the, <laughs> in a little less long winded action. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited for all that. It's been a ton of fun as my, as like my second, second year really being a part of this awesome community. So um, it's been a ton of fun, man. I'm looking forward for more. And I got to say, thank you so much for all of the, like the quick one-off film analysis videos you post on Twitter. Those are huge. Those get me through the day, just whip out my phone, <laughs> scroll on the timeline, uh, burn a couple it, hours. And I always end up going through your profile and then looking through them all. But, you know, we, we need guys like you to come on the show, help us figure out the evaluation, the story, the caliber of player that some of these prospects are. So we can dominate these rookie drafts, start associating these names to picks and really understand when we see the landing spots come out in April, you know, who are the guys that when, when that talent meets that landing spot, who are the guys that are going to smash? So before we get into that, I want to get a little bit more of background on you, get some of the biases out of the way. All right. So, you know, we were talking, I know you live in Chicago, but 
Does that mean you're a Bears fan? What's, what's your team, both college and, and pro? Oh, man. Um, I'm a big Bears fan. I've been a Bears fan since I was born. Uh, I was born and raised in Chicago. Um, man, yeah, it's been a tough couple of years to be a Bears <laughs> fan. Uh, hopefully, Deshaun Watson can save us. He can save the city. Um, but I doubt that's going to happen, uh, especially with Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy still around. Um, we can spend an hour and a half talking about <laughs> maybe how we need to have another just a Bears dude. Deep dive. Oh no, it's 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 a sunken ship, man. That's brutal. Um, but uh, I went to University of Illinois, attended there for both um, well, undergrad and master's. So um, I'm a big U of I fan. They're not that good. Um, Levy Smith's gone. Um, so you know, here's hoping the new coaching staff does does a good job and you know brings us back to the Juice Williams days. Um, but yeah, I mean. They're not very good. They're kind of the bottom of the Big Ten. But when I was a kid, I, I followed a lot of Ohio State football um, with Maurice Claret and, God, Troy Smith and Brian yes. Hartline and Ted Gay Jr. Smith. Yeah, man, those were fun days. But, um, but that was, I guess, growing up, that was kind of my team. And, you know, the Scarlet and Red, I mean, you know, that was fun, man. Yeah. So, so we know, so since you're a Bears fan and you said Illinois is not that good football-wise, so we know there's no biases there. But what about from a, a prospect profile perspective? You know, for, for me, like I'm a sucker for a Miles Sanders type guy. Like <laughs> an, ex, an explosive, like pass catching, kind of like sure. a skinny, shifty guy or like a DeAndre sure. Swift. Like those are the guys that just, I see that profile moving to the top of my rankings. You have any guy like that? Or any oh, man. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's a fantastic question. Cause I think everybody has a, has a prospect bias in terms of profile. Um, for some, it's like the Travis ETNs of the world, you know, the Miles Sanders types. But for me, like being in this like sport human performance space, it's kind of those like movement marvels as like Sean Miska puts it. it. It's the guys who in terms of, you know, their size, you know, and, and how well they move. Um, it's like the Najee Harris's, the Saquon Barkley's. It's those the bigger guys that that have like such a dramatic movement signature and and do so many great things in the field of play that I just kind of have to watch over and over and over again. Um, and also got like Dave Montgomery too. He was a guy I was really high on a couple of years ago because he didn't run, you know, he didn't run a four five forty. He ran like four six three, I think. Um, didn't bench very much. Like that was, you know, for him it was a pretty tough combine, and a lot of people were down on him. But you know, for me, I was like watched him, you know, pretty closely and saw what he did as a mover and what kind of skills he brought to the table. So for, for me, kind of that type of player, um, the bigger back, that's a good mover. Um, that so let me, let me ask explosive. you then, for like a guy like A.J. Dillon, are, are you like in love oh, head over heels with A.J. Actually, Dillon? no. I'm not, I'm not a big A.J. Dillon because he's not like a great mover. You know what I mean? Like he's, like he's just pretty much – He's just a bowling ball. You just, Dude, you just roll it, him yeah, forward. It, it's, it's, very, it's very linear. Not a, you know, he doesn't offer a ton laterally. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's okay. Like, I never graded very high. Um, but I think, you know, LaFleur likes the Derrick Henry type player. So, you know, that kind of makes sense. Um, but, yeah, he might have a big role coming up if, they, if you know, Aaron Jones is out, out of town. So, we'll see. Well, I think that's a perfect segue to get into – some of these college prospects, these 2021 class names, we're going to go quarterback, running back, wide receiver, maybe sprinkle in a little tight end at the, at the end there. 
but want to hit on maybe a few of the studs in the class and then some of the deeper names. You know, everyone's talking about Trevor Lawrence. We don't, we don't need to do any more Trevor Lawrence analysis. No one needs to do another Trevor Lawrence prospect profile piece ever for the rest of the time because we've just exhausted all of those. But I want to talk about Justin Fields get it already like you go from the, the top prospect to a guy that a lot of people have at the 102 maybe the 103 in rookie drafts I and mean, I will say everything we'll talk about today just it's kind of my default is super flex uh, maybe you can give your two cents and if you don't play super flex try to give the opposite there but as far as a gap between Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence how big of a gap do you see there from a dynasty value and just as a player prospect I guess like in terms of dynasty value, it really depends on, I guess, where they land and, you know, what their environment looks like. Right. I mean, Lawrence is going to have like LaVisca Chanel, DJ Chark. He's going to have James Robinson. They're probably going to spend a decent amount of capital to acquire another, you know, solid receiving option. Um, so his is going to be looking up, up, up. I mean, Justin Fields might go to the Jets. I mean, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, like it's just it's just different, right? You have you don't have really any any big weapons there. Denzel Mims is an okay piece, but he's more of a secondary type receiver. Um, but they need to they need to hit on another receiver in this draft um, to really give Fields the weapons that he needs, or, or go to free agency and get a guy like Chris Godwin. Um, you know, a guy like Chris Godwin, Juju Smith Schuster, your boy Allen Robinson. Allen, please no, 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 don't do that to me now. <laughs> don't do that to me now. A Rob's not staying in Chicago. I don't think he is though. I I think he's gone. Um, but yeah, I think they just need more weapons on that team. But I mean, in terms of prospect, I think it's a considerable gap between him and, you know, Lawrence and Fields. I mean, Lawrence is probably the best quarterback prospect that we've seen in the better part of a decade, at least since Andrew Luck. And it's all, you know, it's all true. Like the, the, he's that good. And that's not a knock on Fields. If this is most other classes, Fields would be the first overall selection. Um, he's a very, very good player, very good prospect, does a lot of things well, but there's something about Trevor Lawrence when you watch him play that he looks like a four or five year NFL vet already. And, you know, for me, I, I'm fine. I'm fine. If I'm on the clock at 102, I'm fine with taking Justin Fields. So I, I think he's going to have a heck of a career and he offers significant rushing upside. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he has seasons where he scores, you know, six, seven, eight touchdowns on the ground. So that's a big deal. Um, Lawrence has his rushing upside as well, but Fields is a good athlete and a good quarterback. So um, it's it's always tough saying like he's that much lower than Lawrence, but Lawrence is just a just a special you know once in a decade prospect. It's crazy. It's crazy. So for for if we put Justin Fields copy and paste twenty twenty one Justin Fields into the twenty twenty class, would you put him ahead of Burrow or yeah. Tua? Yeah, I think wow. he's ahead of both Burrow and Tua. I just think the ceiling with Fields is a little higher than both those guys, uh, especially from like a pure like you know athleticism standpoint. And Justin Fields is extremely athletic at his size. Um, Burrow and Tua are athletic in their own right, but but not in the level that Justin Fields is. And the upside there is just you know tremendous. So I, I think if I'm putting him in that 20, 2020 class, uh, I'm putting him ahead of both those guys. The, the touch on the ball that Fields has on some of these just Lovely. bombs to like Olave. You're just like, is that Russell Wilson out there throwing some of these just <laughs> deep touch passes? It, yeah, it's man. incredible. Uh, but I want to move to a guy that, and it's, it's the stock is rising like crazy right now on Zach Wilson. The hype is real. Are you believing the hype? Because I'm seeing in some of these like Mel Kuyper guys in their mocks, they're having Wilson 
as the, the second QB off the board. I mean, I don't know if I believe that he's a better prospect than Justin Fields, but excuse me, he's a guy that, you know, the ascension has been crazy. He's, he was, you know, at, th at this time last year, he was even a first round, you know, projection. Um, but now he's a projected top five pick. Um, crazy. I don't know what I think in terms of like his career ceiling. I don't, I like him. I just don't, I don't love him. There's something about him that I'm just, like, I'm kind of unsure of. Um, he reminds me a lot of Jay Cutler, um, former bear. Uh, I mean, he has a chip on his shoulder. Like he plays with that chip. He has kind of like this attitude and swagger about him um, that you like, but also don't like at the same time. Um, but he's a good, he's a good prospect. Man. He has, he's a hell of an arm, you know, can throw from multiple arm angles, just absolute flick of the wrist, 60 yards. But I, I'm, you know, I'm higher on Trey Lance than I am uh, Zach Wilson, if that makes sense. Wow. Okay. All right. I think that's a hot um, take to some, but I think I, I, there was just looking at Wilson's film. I, I dug, dug a little bit into Wilson. It was interesting. I, I definitely saw some pro caliber arm strength, the accuracies there, especially short and, and intermediate accuracy right. and the red zone accuracy. Saw the confidence. You see him out here throwing these weird like side arm yeah, angles yeah, on like arm RPO. angle stuff. Crazy. Yep. yep. And and he's athletic, but I think we see some of that to your point, like overconfidence, trying to be flashy, mm -hmm. trying to play hero ball. Cause he, he hits a cool side arm angle. And I feel like he starts feeling himself a little too much. And then he's like, all right, let me <laughs> sure. just, you know, let me look off this safety and triple coverage. There's I can fit it in there, you know? Yeah. So that that's statistically much better. I think prospect wise compared to like Justin Herbert, granted Herbert's like six, six, two thirty. And right. Wilson's six three two ten, but you know, for for Wilson, you said you have him potentially behind Trey Lance. I'm seeing him right now from the one hundred two to the one hundred nine. Yeah, he's got a pretty wide wide range of outcomes in terms of where he's being drafted right now. It's going to depend on the. I mean, it's going to depend on really where he's like where he's drafted um, and how early. I mean, he could be he could be the one like he could be literally the second overall pick. Like that, that is as high as I think he, he can go, but his, you know, it's the second overall pick to maybe pick 12, pick 15. I think that's as far as he could fall. Um, but he's, he's a good prospect. It's just, you know, like, like, what is he? He really, like, we don't, like, that's the kind of, like, that's the question that like, we don't have an answer for right now. You know, we thought, you know, of, like very similar stuff, like Drew Locke, like that type of prospect who has all the, you know, has all the arm talent, has kind of that moxie to him. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough. Like with Josh Rosen too, you know, people thought Josh Rosen was the best quarterback in that draft class. A lot of people did. Um, and obviously it hasn't worked out for Rosen, but it, it's always tough when there's that giant question mark of, okay, like he does all these things really, really well, but can he dissect the defense? Can, can he bring guys together? Can he be the commander in chief in that locker room? Um, and be the face of a franchise. We don't know that yet. And, and that's, I think, the biggest question that NFL GMs might have about Wilson. So comparing him to, to Trey Lance, and these two guys, I feel like they're in a tier. It's like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and then it's like Wilson, Lance, take your pick. Right. Depends on going back to what we said earlier, right? What profile attracts you more? Do you want more of the, like I look at, at Trey Lance as like a Jalen Hurts, but better yeah. on the ground. Um, you know, that's, from a comp perspective for Trey Lance, would you say, and I, I know the comp thing can get 
kind of convoluted at times because we just compare everybody to all pro players at every position. Sure, but sure. for Trey Lance, let's say he hits his ceiling in the NFL. What, what does that look like for you compared to a player that's, that's starting right now? It's a great question. I think for a player, it'd be Dak Prescott, but offering a little more athletically. Uh, I think he's similar body type, stature, um, really explosive arm, and he's a really good athlete especially at his size. Uh, he offers a ton of upside as a rusher, um, similar to kind of an upside that Josh Allen has. Um, that's the type of player he is athletically as a, as a quarterback. But it, it's tough, man, for, for Lance, because he's not as polished as a lot of these guys, right? I mean, I, I think Mac Jones is a safer quarterback than, than Trey Lance <laughs> is. But the upside of Trey Lance, Trey Lance has, if you said 10 years from now, Trey Lance ended up being the second best quarterback in this class, I've I believe you. Uh, I think that's the type of upside he has. And it, it's interesting because uh, you talk about the profile, it, like what, what kind of profile do we like at certain positions? And I'm a Konami Cole guy. You know, I, I would give me, give me the Kyler Murray, give me the Lamar Jackson, um, give me that type of player. And I think that's what Trey Lance can be if he lands in the right environment. Um, I love if he went to Chicago. If he fell to Chicago at 20, man, I'd be doing victory laps. Um, but it's just interesting, man. I think he, he might sit for a season behind a vet um, and learn and be groomed um, to be that face of the franchise and to, and to be the, you know, the commander in the locker room. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, who drafts him, how high he goes and, and his upside in the NFL. So he might be a guy that's like a long-term investment, almost like Jalen Hurts was this year where sure. he goes behind. You're like, oh, Carson Wentz, there's, there's no way. Obviously, we all know how that played out. But yeah. you look at Carson Wentz, you're like, oh, okay, he's going to sit for a year. Even like Jordan Love, another guy, kind of cut from that same vein, definitely a lesser uh, sure. in, many, in many ways compared to Trey Lance. But that could be the same type of thing here. You know, what's to say that, you know, a team like, I don't know, I'll just pull something out of thin air here, like a uh, 49ers want Trey Lance to sit for a year behind Jimmy G and develop him, you know, for you, is that still worth like a, a mid to late first round pick in, in a rookie draft? Yeah, I think it absolutely is. I think if you look at, you know, Patrick Mahomes, right. I mean, he, he's kind of the poster child for, for sitting a year behind a, a good veteran quarterback and Alex Smith. So I think it can definitely pay off. Um, sometimes it doesn't, but, but also I think you got to kind of aim for the ceiling with lands. Like, you know what you're getting. Like he, he's not a mm -hmm. high floor prospect. That's just not him. If you want a high floor prospect around 106, take Mac Jones. He's pretty safe. And, and let's, let's talk about Mac Jones. Let, let's okay. talk about Mac Jones because there's another guy the, the hype has been building. Winning a national championship tends to do that. I'm seeing him actually right now. I feel like at a pretty decent value, mid to late second round yeah. in super flex drafts. You see the, the question posed a lot of time. I want to pose it to you. You know, compared to Tua, you know, we can, we can talk about some of the stats. Mac Jones had a higher completion percentage, more yards, sure. higher yards per attempt, better touchdown interception ratio, didn't offer as much in the rushing category. And I think that's, that's going to be a big piece of any Mac mm -hmm. Jones talk that we're going to have. But, you know, to you, is, what, what do you think about him from the, the prospect side? I like him a ton, actually. I'm, I'm probably higher than consensus on Jones. He's, he's probably out of my QB4. Uh, behind Lance but for me man it's he's he's really safe like he does a he does he makes any throw on the field uh throws it with touch and the thing is you know watching a ton of Alabama 
to get a handle on Smith and Waddle and Judy Ruggs, you know, and, you know, all the running backs, like with, obviously with, you know, with Najee and, and last, in the last couple of years with like Jacobs, you're watching a ton of Tua, you're watching a ton of Mac Jones. And I think Tua has the higher talent ceiling, right? I think he has, Tua has a chance to be one of the best quarterbacks in this league if it comes together for him. Mac Jones, I don't mm. think that will ever be him, but I think we could see a Kirk Cousins type, type career, which is not a bad one. I mean, Kirk Cousins is kind of perennially around QB 12, QB 15, right? Yeah. Uh, we might sneak in a QB 8 one year, but that's kind of Mac Jones, man. I mean, if you're playing in six point you know, per, per touchdown, four point per interception, he's going to do well for you. He's, he, he's, probably, he's not going to force things. He's going he's gonna, to you know, go through his progressions and make the right read. Um, he doesn't have the Konami code upside of a Trey Lance or Fields or Lawrence, but he's, he's pretty safe. I mean, I like the safety and security at quarterback sometimes, especially in my super flex spot to know I'm getting that 18 to 25 a game. That might just be him, man. He might just go to a place. He just doesn't make mistakes. And that's kind of what you're seeing with him. And I don't know if he's as good as Tua, but I think he'll come into the league a little more polished than Tua. The thought process for me lately, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your two cents on it too, but with rookie picks, especially second round, late second round, third round rookie picks is taking more upside and ceiling shots, which for me means, look, I, I might not have that much Mac Jones, but mm-hmm. you know, to your point on the Konami QBs, it's, it's, it's another reason it's, it's really the, it's becoming the norm at this point. Um, right. And our boy, Mike Lou, good friend of the show, was on a couple of weeks ago. He, he did a full study and looking at trends over the years, 60% of the QB ones in fantasy this season had 20% or more of their fantasy points come from rushing statistics. And that number, again, as it's been increasing every single year, feels like the athleticism is finally caught up to the quarterback position. It's not enough anymore to just be a good pocket passer. Right. So we'll see how that plays out. What, what are your two cents on that before we jump over to the running backs? Oh, I think it's huge. I think if you're looking for a high ceiling prospect, it is, it's not going to be Mac Jones, right? It's going to be your Trey Lance. And that's what you have to really look at is, are you going for a player that you're okay with his best finish on your dynasty team being like QB nine? Or do you want to go for the guy who's going to be QB three and QB five? Like that's what you really are trying to look at, right? And Mike, Mike's a smart dude, be chopping up all the time, but he's right. I mean, if you want a guy who is going to be a bona fide high-end QB1, you're not drafting the Mac Jones profile. You're drafting that Trey Lance, you know, Jalen Hurts profile, where if, if they hit, they're going to catch fire and have a couple of seasons at QB3, QB4, and win you some leagues. Yeah, J- Jalen Hurts was, I mean, a league winner. Oh yeah, as a rookie. Yeah, I mean, he didn't even throw the ball that well either. And that's that's the thing is, you like know, fifty percent completion percentage ex- is like I'll take that every day for fantasy purposes. Dude, exactly, exactly. It's huge, huge. So let's get into the running backs here. I already know you love Najee Harris. Okay, we we'll we'll kind of say same thing we did for the quarterbacks. The gap between Najee and ETN. What does that look like for you? Compared, let's compare that to the gap between. T-Law and Fields. Oh, it's, uh, it's I, I think it's bigger than T-Law wow. and Fields. Okay. So I, I don't see 
ETN, like if Justin Fields, for example, went in last year's class, he would have been the, you know, the QB one, in my opinion. ETN would not have been the RB one. Probably wouldn't have been the RB two. Maybe would have been the RB four. I, I'm not as high on ETN as I am, you know, on, on some of these prospects because he, he doesn't do a lot laterally and he struggles and there's some gaps in his game and there's some considerable gaps in his game. And a lot of that stems from, um, he doesn't manage contact very well. That's one thing he doesn't do a great job of, especially early contact, um, like zero to five yards from the line of scrimmage. But once he gets ahead of steam and, and once he, you know, gets out of early acceleration, He's, he's impossible to bring down because he's, he's probably the best accelerator we've seen at the position since Chris Johnson and Chris Johnson was out of this world. And so his upside is really high, but I think his floor is lower than we think it is. Uh, he's not a natural pass catcher. Mm. Um, he does, he has, like I said, he has some gaps in his game that need to be filled. And it's kind of like a guy like Miles Sanders, right? And we talked him a little bit before, talked about him a little bit before the show and Miles Sanders had a great profile coming out of college for some people. He, you know, explosive athlete, had some problems with drops and fumbles. And, you know, we're two years down the line and, you know, the durability issues have hit Sanders pretty hard. Um, the drops have been crazy, you know, league high drop rate. Um, I'm not saying that's going to be ETN, but that's kind of the same profile of the really explosive um, player, great at early acceleration, but doesn't really offer a ton laterally. And if he gets in the right system, like if he goes to San Francisco, uh, he might finish the year RB6. Like that is an absolute smash spot for him. Cause there was a very similar running back stylistically in San Francisco and Raheem Mostert. Um, Mostert doesn't offer a ton laterally. He's just an average pass catcher, but man, Shanahan can, Shanahan's outside zone scheme is probably the best run scheme in the whole entire NFL. And if that's something that ETN's a part of, his stock's going to go way up. Um, where they differ between ETN and Harris is Harris is a pretty complete football player. I mean, he is probably the – he's the – out of the last, like, four years, he's the probably second, third best running back in terms of valuation. Um, I had him – I have him right behind Jonathan Taylor in, in the last two classes um, because he's just the – complete football player he he's a guy who can go up and get it if you you know throw him a wheel route you you, you look at the plays he made against uh the play made against lsu i think it was two years ago uh it was left corner of the end zone i remember this play uh two of threw him a nice a nice ball and it was you know he went up and got it over db and 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 scored a touchdown and it was one of those you know where you saw him do that all throughout it you know throughout high school too which is funny you know watching those guys like an e remember that on espnu they put up some of the one-on-ones and stuff at the camps yes. and and Najee harris is lining up against some of the best defensive backs in the nation and making them look silly and that's the difference between him and etn is Najee harris has the holistic overarching skill set of an all pro caliber player like he does a lot of things really really well but for his size, he's an absolutely exceptional mover. And he's probably the best receiving threat in this whole class. Him and Kenneth Gainwell are probably the best receivers in this whole class. And what Harris can do down the field as a receiver, as well as in the short to intermediate game running, you know, angle and option routes uh, is pretty special for a guy who's 6'2", 230 with freaking 10 inch hands. I mean, the, the guy is an Unreal. absolute, yeah, I mean, the guy, the guy's a mountain out there. So 
Um, but he's a fun player, but I like ETN. It's just going to be pretty landing spot dependent um, for where he goes and, and what his early career success looks like. I, I don't think he's as – this is just me. I, I don't think he's as landing spot dependent as a lot of people say, but totally see where you're coming from with all that. I, I actually think the contact balance, at least from, from what I saw, was pretty solid, but he's just not like a between-the-tackles – type of guy. And I saw a lot of issues with the vision, you know, and, and being super shifty in tight space. Um, but we also said that too about like Jonathan Taylor and people even said that through the ha- first half of, of his pro career. That was, that's, that, that's kind of a funny thing. So Taylor had a lot of technical nuance to his game. So he had that in his game. Mm. Like he, like obviously Wisconsin big power runs game. Um, but he, you know, he was really good at anticipating contact, anticipating when holes are going to open, um, manipulating the second level, that type of stuff. Jonathan Taylor did that. He, he wasn't really – he's not really gifted laterally, and he doesn't have to be. Uh, he's functional laterally. He's efficient, and that's what you need to be. Um, Etienne is, is not as functional, where he has a lot of dysfunction in his decelerative qualities, which is why, like, he sometimes struggles missing holes because he, he does <laughs> – he doesn't have good brakes. You know, he, he's, he's a Ferrari with no brakes, right? He, if he sees a hole and he hits the hole, he is gone. Good luck catching him 20 yards down the field. It's not going to happen. But he's going to have a hard time getting through tight creases because there's not a lot in his toolbox in terms of how to navigate, how to manipulate the second level. And we saw him do it in spurts at Clemson, but we never really saw the consistency and efficiency there that led me to say, okay, this is a surefire must must have prospect Mm. uh i think it i think it depends on where he goes and how he develops as you know his overarching skill set and we'll see at the pro days how these guys weigh in official measurements i'm seeing like 20 different sources oh yeah on half of these guys (laughs) (laughs) so i'm taking everything with a grain of salt right now but for etn 510 200 that's just not the prototypical size that that we're typically looking for too. So you add that into the mix where you look at a Najee Harris, it's like, he's, he's bulletproof as far as a prospect goes, yeah, measurables perspective. Uh, but I still think I, I have a lot of faith in ETN. Uh, I, I still think he has room to improve. And we, we've seen the burners. Like we know he's a home run hitter from a fantasy perspective. I could see him being a guy where he only needs one big play to right. save your fantasy day where, you know, only give him like in a 49ers scenario, Okay, he only needs 11 touches, but exactly, those 11 yeah. touches are going to be enough that, you know, he can be a high-end RB2, low-end RB1, something like that. Let's talk about Javante Williams, a guy that's another one kind of like Zach Wilson. It's like as this, this season has happened, thank God it did for our own sanity. But for Javante Williams, I'm seeing him in a lot of cases above ETN in some of these rankings that to me is egregious i'm curious to hear your thoughts on that but for javante williams how do you feel about him we'll kind of go through everything here the the what are your tape takeaways measurables stats sure i i mean honestly for me i, I have him graded right now um my my grading system is almost complete right ahead of etn and that's probably not going to change um he he's a really unique prospect i mean he was a high school val victorian really smart bright kid played linebacker um, in high school, but if you watch him play, you know, he's an energy giver. He's a guy you, you build your identity around because of how hard he plays and the brand of football that he's known for. And it's kind of similar to how this year, 
how the Bears down the stretch just fed David Montgomery. David Montgomery's an energy mm. giver. He's not the best athlete in the world, but he's going to bring it for four quarters and he's going to wear you down. And that's Williams in the sense of being an energy giver and being that identity to an offense. And if he lands in Atlanta under Arthur Smith, it is wheels up. And I'm excited to see where he lands. But on tape, you see a guy who, who just brings it every play. I mean, he has, he's probably, he's one of the broadest um, through contact skill sets in the class, has a wide variety of ways to get away. Uh, you know, when we talk about like in my space in particular, and what I do for my career, it's either engage or evade. One of those two options. And he has a good job of coupling both of them, but man, he will run through your face mask. And he's just a lot of fun to watch. He's the modern day beast mode in that sense where he's just not going to go down on first contact. Um, and like ETN too, just average receiving skills, but going to make his money after the catch. And where I think he's probably a little safer than ETN is the top sun upside. He's going to be your primary, wherever he goes, he's probably going to be the primary goal line option. And that means a lot. Remember that year when the Garrett Blunt scored how many TDs? <laughs> like, what was it, like 13 or something crazy? I, I want to say it was 17. Jesus. And it, he was, uh, you know, he was what? RB4, RB6? It was something silly, Something insane. I don't remember that. I don't remember that exact finish, but it was nuts. But I think, obviously, Williams offers a little bit more uh, from a variations perspective. But, I mean, yeah, he's going to be a guy who's going to score a lot of touchdowns. We saw that, too, in college. Like, I love, like, the comparison between Javante Williams, Michael Carter, guy we're sharing the backfield with. Fun backfield to watch. That that yeah, that was a blast. I'm a I'm a Louisville Cardinals fan through and through. So watching okay. them just tear the ACC apart well, absolutely destroyed me. Yeah, but I mean these guys balled out. And you look at from the touchdown side, Javante Williams 19 TDs, Michael Carter mm-hmm. nine, running behind the same offensive line. Michael Carter was actually a little bit more um, efficient from a yards per carry standpoint. Guys had about the same amount of rushing attempts: 157 for Williams, 156 for Carter. So you you absolutely see that goal line skill set he's gonna take that to the next level right yeah I think that that's a good point I think the thing is so outside of Harris I don't know if there's another bell cow in this class I I I love Williams's skill set I love what ETM brings to the table as a home run hitter but both those guys are probably better off in a committee um I think if you get a guy like Williams in Philadelphia that'd be fantastic um, from a fancy perspective, might be a little bit of a headache, but Philadelphia needs another back. You know, Boston Scott isn't going to cut it as you know the secondary option behind Miles Sanders, and Miles Sanders and his durability issues, those aren't probably going away anytime soon. So getting him in a role where Sanders can be the home run hitter and, and, and Sanders can be used in space more often would be fantastic for Philadelphia and their fan base. They need something good to talk about. It would but, destroy my Miles Sanders shares. So I hate that you put that out there. Oh my God. If that happens on draft day, <laughs> oh, Twitter, Twitter, will, be on Twitter will burn to the ground. <laughs> on fire. But same with ETM. And I, I think ETN is best as, the, as a lead back in a committee, you know, like in a 65 35 touch share, touch share type. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, a guy like Williams, like you said, man, he's, he's going to get the goal line work. Like that's going to be a big part of his game and, and the volume he gets at the NFL level. Another, another take, it, take it with a grain of salt, but 5'10", 220 for Javante Williams. I, I actually think he's going to weigh in much higher than that. Guy looks like an absolute really? tank. He does look a tank. He does look like a tank. Maybe it's just the way that he plays. He plays right. a lot bigger than he is. 
if that 220 is true, but I could see him higher than that. I mean, recent prospects with that same type, just measurables from the just physique side, it would be like Josh Jacobs, Cam Akers, guys sure. that have been, or we've seen them touch that three down workhorse level. And Williams led the, led the country in yards after contact per rush, second in the country with 27 rushes greater than 15 yards. For Williams' ceiling, do you see it being at the level of guys like Akers, Dobbins, Swift, if he's in that right, you know, he's in the right landing spot? Man, that's a good question. Um, I don't think as high as those guys. And I, I'm, I'll be honest, the ceiling's not even as high as Travis Etienne's is. Mm. Uh, Etienne is probably the, the, you know, I think Najee Harris is the best combination of the two in this class. Um, Etienne has, you know, may have the highest ceiling, him and Harris. But I think the floor is what you're going to be getting with Williams. I think that's going to be the, the safety net. And that's what it's going to be. I think Dobbins, man, Dobbins might have 1,600 rushing yards next year. He's going to be and, nasty. And, and, and 16, like he might. I mean, that, that's a very, that, that very well could happen. And, you know, with, um, you know, with Detroit and their new coaching staff, you know, DeAndre Swift could be RB, RB5, wouldn't shock me. Um, and a lot of those guys too. But I, I think you're going to see a perennial RB2 with Williams. And that's okay. It's going to be kind of similar to Clyde Edwards Hilaire. People got really upset when he was taken in the first round and he provided like, it's like they had like 13.8 fancy points per game. And I think about 15 per game without Le'Veon Bell. So pretty good, like back end RB1, you know, front end right. RB2. And those are the type of numbers I think Williams will put up. I don't think Williams will offer as much from a receiving perspective, but the touchdown upside is definitely there. And his floor is considerably safer than a guy like ETN's on a week to week basis. So we keep comparing everybody to ETN. I want to compare, I want to make this comparison the poor man's Travis ETN, Chuba Hubbard. Chuba. Right, right now, Man. Chuba going in the early, early to mid second round in Superflex mm-hmm. Dynasty rookie star, uh, uh, rookie drafts. Right on. What happened? Like I, I love Chuba, 2019 Chuba. But what happened in 2020? Because it just it didn't look like the same guy. And maybe it was the 328 carries that he saw in 2019. Like that, that will definitely put some tread on the tires. Sure. But what did you see compared to that massive sophomore year and then the, the quiet junior year? I think it's a combination of a ton of different factors. One, the Gundy incident wasn't good. Um, yeah. That was all-time bad. And then the offensive line losing almost all their starters at injury, also not good. And then combine that with um, Chuba's high ankle sprain, which, which he played through um, for part of it. Um, that was also obviously not good for his stock. He was a prospect too, that was probably going to be a mid to late second round pick right in the same range as AJ Dillon. And he decided to come back. And if you come back, you're betting on yourself and he might now be a late day two pick. I think he definitely, I think he still goes in the third round unless medically something's disastrous, which I doubt Uh, he'll still be a third round pick. He'll still have decent capital, but not mid mid second round capital. Right. Um, If team falls in love with him, you you know, anything can happen, but I like Chuba Hubbard. 
I don't love Chuba Hubbard. I think he has a good intuitive feel of position. Uh, he does really well in tight spaces for a guy as athletically gifted linearly as he is. You know, guys with a track star, right? He, he's from Canada, um, started playing football late, 10-5-5 uh, five, five kid. So legitimate track speed, right? Le- legitimate track speed. That's right around what Henry Ooh. Ruggs ran in high school. And Henry Ruggs is a slow poke. So, <laughs> I mean, he has, a you know, elite caliber top end speed at the position, uh, and he offers, a, you know, he offers a ton of stuff in between the tackles too. Just, just being intuitive and, and, you know, being a, you know, being a good mover. Um, that's what he is. Doesn't offer a ton laterally. I think he, he's, you know, kind of in that strict, you know, strict movement profile. Everything is going to balance itself out to North and South. Um, but he's not going to be a guy like, you know, like a Kenneth Gainwell or, you know, a guy like Najee Harris who, who can make you miss in space a ton, but he's going to be a guy who relies on his speed and his accelerative qualities um, to win in one-on-one engagements. I don't know where you, where like you rank a guy like him too, because his range of outcomes is so vast in terms of his role. Like last year, it was looking like he was going to be a 1A or, you know, a 1A and a one, you know, a two-back committee. Um, but now it's, you know, what's he going to be a secondary option somewhere after work his way up and touches, you know, that's the type of thing where last year he was probably projected to be a back end first rounder in terms of rookie drafts, but this year it's mid to late second. So I don't, I don't know. It's really, it's going to depend on where it goes and who's there for his early career success. But I, I like Chuba Hubbard. I just don't love his dynasty value with not knowing where he's going to land and what his touch share looks like. I saw a lot. I'm curious to see what you think about this comp. Philip Lindsay. Okay. Is kind of, is, is kind of yeah, what I, I saw see that. I where see it's that. like, you know, not the biggest guy does have some quickness can, can make big plays. And this is, I'm just talking a little bit more for, for that junior year. I saw Philip Lindsay, which you hear that it doesn't sound great, but I mean, Philip Lindsay was when he had the reins, he was certainly fantasy viable. We've yeah, kind of seen the range of outcomes in, yeah. in Philip Lindsay. So that's where I'm at with Chuba. Interesting, interesting to hear you talk about, you know, what you saw. The last guy I want to touch on, then we, we'll, we might throw out a couple deep names here, but Trey Sermon. Are you, are you in or out? He, he's super polarizing. Yeah, he, I, he is, man. Especially what he did in, in the college football playoffs and the Big Ten championship game against Northwestern. Um, I'm in at a cost, right? I think if, if you give me Sermon in the mid-second round, all in. Early I'm saying late second. I'm all in the mid-second round because he's a, he's a legitimate second-round NFL draft talent. But it's the laundry list of injuries the durability is the one thing that kind of scares you um, because running backs have short shelf lives in general, but if he's going to be a guy who might not even make it through a contract without significant, you know, chance for injury, that's tough to bet on. I think he's a really talented back. And I think he might, he's one of the few backs that could be a quote unquote bell cow in this class and carry a really high touch share. I just don't know how the NFL views his injuries right now. And that's a big thing in, in terms of his durability. And you and I talked before the show a little bit about LaVisca Chanel Jr. And that was a big tell for me was I loved LaVisca before. I loved, like, I've watched him for years at Colorado. 
um, especially his guy was a sophomore year when he played in Nebraska and had that catch to win the game. That was fantastic. But it was how is the NFL going to view his injuries, right? Are they going to view it as a, a big detriment? Is, is his stock going to fall in the third, fourth round? Or is he going to still garner, you know, early second, late first round capital? And he did. And so he had a pretty injury-free rookie year. I know he dealt with a hamstring injury for a little bit and that nagged. Um, but he was, he was pretty all right for the most part. Sermon, that's going to be interesting to see. If Sermon still gets second round capital, wheels up. Like that, that, that should tell you all you need to know about, you know, how the NFL views him from an investment standpoint as being a risk. Um, is he still risky because of the injuries? Absolutely he is. But he's less of a risk than you would think if he's drafted in the second round of the NFL draft. Certainly his, his size, speed is appealing. 6'1", 215, that's everything you want in a running back. Stature-wise, if you had a comp for Trey Sermon, this is a guy that I – you can throw some out there, but they all felt too high. <laughs> to, to like these sure. all pro running backs, right? That, who would you say if you had to pick someone? And I'm putting you on the spot here, but for Trey sure. Sermon, as far as a comp, maybe his range of outcomes, high end, low end, something like that. Closest one I would think is Chris Carson with better draft capital. Okay. I mean, just I, I think he just he offers a ton to an NFL team, um, but I just don't think he'll ever be 100% healthy for his NFL career. Like Chris Carson has dealt with injuries. That's you know, Carson. Since, he, since yeah. he walked, that's him, man. Hey, you, he plays for everything. That might just be Trey Sermon. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so interesting to see how polarizing he is. Cause even early on in the season, it was, there were those master Teague's backfield, but that, you know, the, the, his coming out party was the big 10 championship game when he just steamrolled Northwestern. Um, but I, I like him a ton. It's just where, where are we drafting him, you know, and where is he drafting the NFL draft? That's a big part of it. hundred percent. And we could say that for all these guys too, but I will say with Sermon was good to see the efficiency improved every year in college. The, they were like, if he played a full season, well, I guess you could say that for any year for Trey Sermon, sure. but if he played a full season this year, I think the receiving chops, at least what I, I saw was encouraging to where we could make that Chris Carson comp there from the from the pass catching skill set. Sure. But are there any deep running back names? I'm seeing with the senior bowl right now. Names are floating up right and left on Twitter. You see one guy, you know, winning a drill and it's it's oh, yeah. you know, his stock's rising like crazy on on some of these uh Twitter threads that are coming out. I know you love Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah, he's fun. But any other deeper names in this class that we should keep our eye on at the running back position? Yeah, I think the one name that comes to mind is a guy that, you know, we were talking a lot about a year, year and a half ago um, as being a potential day two pick was Kylan Hill out of Mississippi State. Um, I, he, he just offers a ton. I mean, the guy is super raw, uh, very much like Antonio Gibson in terms of skill set, um, bigger back, um, pretty unrefined, but he's pretty darn good. And I think a guy like him, you know, getting in the NFL and getting a shot um, will be important to see what his capital looks like. I mean, that's going to be a big thing for him. Is, is, is he going to be a day two pick or is he going to be a day three pick? But I like him a ton. He's a guy I'm, I'm taking the dart throw in the third round of the rookie draft because I think if he gets a, a chance to shine somewhere, he will. And it was, it was sad to see with the, you know, suspension incident that happened. Yep. We didn't get to see. 
everything you wanted to see, but Kylan Hill definitely got to, to keep an eye on. I'm going to have to do a little bit of digging into some of his tape and any other names before we move on to wide receivers. We mentioned Stevenson, but I think one that's kind of popping up with the, the senior bowl a lot is Khalil Herbert out of um, Virginia Tech. I think he's an interesting one because the one thing I keep seeing is he's good, you know, he's good in pass pro, pass pro, pass pro at the senior bowl, and he's doing a great job on one-on-ones and that in, in those engagements. But I think he's a, you know, a good back. He's not great, he's, but he's good. And if you're good, you're, if you're good enough to take the field and, and potentially have a significant snap share, you, know, you could be fantasy valuable. And it, all it takes is an NFL team to, to fall in love with that piece. And it's similar to DJ Dallas. Um, mm. with the Seahawks, it's was DJ, DJ Dallas a great back? No, but he can protect the quarterback. He has good hands, and he's a viable rusher. That might be all it takes is a team to take a shot in him early day three, late day two, um, for him to be a guy that teams like. And you know, I think protecting the quarterback is becoming more and more important at the running back position because you you have to be able to do such a thing. Um, especially with man, like Mahomes, Watson. Like if you can't protect Patrick Mahomes, you're not seeing the field very much. They're, yeah, they're kicking you out of there. You're going to oh, be a bench. Clyder, yeah. Clyder was hilarious. You know, that was his big knock coming out of college. And I think he's, he's improved a lot looking at the AFC championship game and, and what he did there and protecting Mahomes when he was on the field, you know, because the injury didn't play as much. Um, but I like Cleo Herbert, man. I think he's, he's going to be a guy to watch at the senior bowl in particular. Michael Carter's a good one too. Uh, Jared Patterson. Um, what about uh? What about Larry Roundtree? I'm seeing some Roundtree's hype for him. Interesting. He, he I led, like him. He led Missouri in rushing as a freshman. I mean, he he's a guy who's kind of he's he's been good for a while, but he's kind of never made that jump, right? I think part of it's because of injury early on in his career. Don't quote me on that. Um, but yeah, I think he's gonna be one to watch the Senior Bowl too. I think the Senior Bowl backs are really interesting. I think I'm I'm really I'm more interested in the Senior Bowl backs than I am the receivers. The receivers, you know, Tylen Wallace to me, man he's a first round talent. Like he's that mm. good. And guy like Kadarius, Tony's a man, the human joist. Like he, he's three cone at receiver. I mean, that's, that's who he is. And he's fun to watch. He's going to make a ton of mistakes, but man, if you get him in space, it's, it's lights out. So I'm interested to see a lot of those guys, you know, shy Smith and uh, see what those guys can do. Um, but yeah, man, it, it, the senior bowl's going to be a ton of fun to watch. The only th- just senior bowl. I love it. And I'm loving the coverage too, but I, I feel like the hot takes are, are coming out oh, a little man. too hot right now. I think it's, I think it definitely is um, because this is all we're really going to get, right? We're not going to get, you know, the coverage of the combine this year. We're probably only going to get very sparse coverage of, you know, pro days. Um, so it's going to be, it's one of those things where it's like, <laughs> We're really taking what we can get. It was like early on in the pandemic when there was like no sports and you're watching, you know, the a Japanese baseball league at 2 a.m. <laughs> like I remember, I swear to God. We were watching man, cornhole championships. Dude, I went out to dinner with my wife. Um, and this is, you know, right when things started, like right when kind of the sporting organization started shutting down and COVID wasn't like awful yet. And I sat down and I'm like, man, I'm really watching, you know, <laughs> the Dragons play in this in this this Japanese baseball league. Like, it's crazy. It's but, crazy. Um, I've always liked the senior bowl, man. I think the coverage has been good. Um, I'm just really interested to see what 
you know, some of these guys do on the field of play. Cause I know James Robinson was a guy for me last year, the senior bowl, uh, huge, 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 like game. I think he scored, I think he was two touchdowns. Um, but there's guys you can find that are gems there. And obviously James Robinson was a gem. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be fun to watch, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So let's get into the wide receivers. Now we can go a little bit quicker through some of these names. These are all outside of the first couple. These are guys that I'm just really interested on guys that I can't get a read on, but just like we've done for every position, what's that gap between Jamar chase and Devonta Smith. I got to put you on the spot like again it. on this one. Who you got of the two and, and how considerable is that comparison? All right. Uh, the gap is smaller than the gaps we've seen with Harris and ETN and Lawrence and Fields. And so this is how I have them graded. I, those, those two, their grades are done. I have Devonta Smith's junior season worse than Chase's junior season. Chase's junior season was better than Smith's junior season. However, I have Smith's senior season graded higher than Chase's junior season. So do with that what you will. But both are can't miss tier one prospects. Like these are guys that don't pass on Smith because of, because he weighs 165 pounds. Like don't do that. He, he's a he's a good football player. If, if you watch him on tape, I mean, he's a guy that separates at will there's a reason why corners don't jam him like you think a guy who's playing at 165 pounds i know he's listed at 175 pounds he doesn't play 175 pounds. <laughs> between 165 and 169 that's my guess but there's a reason why corners don't jam him because he is such an arsenal at the line of scrimmage and such an advanced skill set there in the toolbox that if if he gets a step on you he good night like that six is going to be on the board real quick. And we saw the last two years, LSU and Bama were huge matchups, right? Especially last season with Burrow's team. Um, Derek Singley wasn't on Ruggs, wasn't on Waddle, wasn't on Judy. Derek Singley Jr., their star cornerback, was on Devonta Smith. Mm. And that was a big tell to me watching him as a junior. I'm like, man, this kid can play, right? This kid in a crowded receiver room put up over a thousand yards, had the, had the most productive season out of any of those guys, but he's, he's been good. Like we, sh- we should have known he was good, but he took that leap from good to historic this past season with his Heisman campaign. And he's, th- he's a joy to watch, man. I mean, I can go on for days about his movement skill set and what he does really, really well in comparison, but all I'll say is just don't like, if you're in the middle of the first round of rookie draft and need a receiver chase is gone go ahead and take Smith. He's a, I think right now Smith is a better football player. I think Chase is a better prospect. Interesting. So, so you're, you're with kind of the ADPs, at least that I'm seeing right now from a few of the, the major outlets. Smith is kind of a mid first, still creeping into that top five range in rookie drafts, even in super flex with Chase. There is that, you know, in some I'm seeing second overall, yeah, to me, that's a little high. spicy, but, yeah, you know, third, bit. fourth, top five. So you kind of have both guys in that range. Kind of. I mean, for me, I mean, if, it depends what you're really looking at. I mean, I like Smith a lot. I'm really high on him. I'm also really high on Chase. Chase is a better prospect. 
I think both guys have all pro gold jacket type potential. That's how good both those guys really are, in my opinion, or can be in terms of their talent ceiling. I mean, I'm, I would take Chase earlier than Smith on the clock because I think he, he profiles as the higher ceiling prospect. Earlier on in their career, I think Smith might struggle less than Chase. I think Smith might have the better rookie year than Chase. But again, like Chase was 19 years old when he last stepped foot in the field, right? He's still a young prospect. But both guys are fantastic. I mean, at 103 and Harris on the board, I'm taking Harris. I would take Smith and Chase over any other of the running backs, if that makes sense. Yep, yep. Yeah, but I, I feel like that's pretty close to consensus. And, and with yeah. Smith, too, I, I was looking at here. I was trying to find some of the lighter guys in the league that are still relatively productive. I mean, the low-hanging fruit here is Marquise Brown. Sure. He's in at 166. He's fantasy relevant. I think for a lot of people, he's a buy low in Dynasty right now. Sure. Um, Robbie Anderson, I saw that comp yeah. thrown around. He, he's, from what I'm looking at, he's 6'3", 190. So a little bit bigger than Smith, but at least just from the eye test, right. skinny guys, but lanky can kind of use it to their advantage and they're, they're quick. Yeah. What do you think about that Robbie Anderson comp? I think it's interesting. Um, I think Smith is a better mover. And that's the, that's the big thing is Smith is one of the most skilled movers coming into the NFL at the position that I've seen. And he's one of those guys that wins at all three levels, He's a tactician. Like he's a guy that is going to be, you know, lights out in his technique and does everything well and does it well on all three levels of the field. And that's important. I think there's no air where he struggles. Like he, mm. does, he doesn't have that, that kind of question mark gray area of, okay, like he needs to really get better here. He's just pretty damn good across the board, man. I mean, he's, he can go up and get it. He's an explosive leaper near 46 foot triple jumper. If you don't know what that means, he can triple jump is a tough, <laughs> tough event. He's a, he's a good dribble jump. I mean, the guy, the guy can jump. I mean, the guy is an explosive leaper. Um, he's also a lot faster than we give him credit for. He's sub 10, 700 guy. To give you perspective, Jalen Waddle, who we think is the, like, you know, one of the best receivers in this class. And I think so too, here in 1084 in high school. So Smith is not that far off from those guys that we think have elite speed because he does. Uh, and it, I think it's his work and during, during early acceleration um, and getting in and out of breaks that makes him special. Um, he gets on DB's toes in a blink. He knows how to manipulate in the middle of the route um, to get enough separation to get open. Chase, very different type of prospect. Chase is going to win at the catch point with physicality. Chase is a true alpha in terms of how he dominates a game. He with Chase, you feel his presence. Like physically, you feel Chase. Not as much Smith. Smith is a guy that you're just, he's slender man. You're just scared of him. He is, you're just nightmares <laughs> are being caused slender because man. Devonta slender man Smith is standing across from you and you have no idea what to do. You can't press him because he's going to run right by you. You can't play off on him because he's going to take a shallow cross or 60 yards of the house. So it, it, it's one of those, you don't know, you know, you had to cover Devonta Smith. With Chase, you see a lot more, you know, corners pressing him, making him overuse his physicality and use his other skill set in his toolbox. So I think I, when you describe Jamar Chase, to me, just as you're describing him, I'm not making the comp, but like an A.J. Brown. Sure. 
Yeah. I mean, guys who win with physicality and that's, I mean, he's going to grow. He's going to branch out of that, right? He's going to obtain more tools. He's not going to come into the NFL as a finished product. He's not. So he's going to, he has a really high ceiling, man. He's a fantastic prospect. I have like him Smith and, and CD lamb graded really similarly. CD lamb was on pace to have a monster. Stud. 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 Love CD lamb. He's also a guy who's a little diminutive in his stature, but he just wins. He just wins. And that's what you, that's what you have to look at is how these guys win, how efficient are they and you know where their upside is and where they can improve. And we, we could have a whole another hour long conversation about this, but as far as where the game is trending, I, I think we're seeing a little bit more of these just guys who can fly that don't need the physicality because sure. if, if they get pushed around, they're going to pull a PI flag. And I think GMs, coaches, they, they know this. Uh, on top of that, that's why you see linebackers. That we don't get Brian Erlackers anymore. No. We get shorter, quick linebackers covering the middle yeah. of the field. So I say all that to say the, the hate that I'm seeing, especially from the analytics crowd, I think they're just going – the pendulum swinging too far on Devonta Smith. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those – I think you're right on where the NFL is trending. If you look at this and, and see what kind of cornerbacks are in the league. We don't have the Daryl Revises anymore. You know what I mean? We don't mm-hmm. have those nasty in-your-face cover corners. There's probably two in the NFL that are in-your-face cover corners, and that's Tredavious White and you-know-who in Los Angeles, um, Jalen Ramsey. So we don't have those. We, th- those don't really exist anymore. We have the guys that can cover down the field and play a little bit more off-coverage. But you're right. The game is becoming more positionless. And that's pretty evident with, you know, with the linebacker, the linebacking play. That's a big one if you look at it too. Um, but guys like, like, look at Chad Johnson. He was like the first of his, you know, in that era was the first of his kind. I mean, I, I, I retweeted something today about, you know, Chad Johnson was like, as a clip. They do like that weekly thing with um, Brandon Marshall um, and Justin Jefferson was on. Um, but yeah, Chad Johnson's like, yeah, I played between like 165 and 170. Wow. <laughs> there you go. I mean, what, what more of a case study do you need? I mean, yes, these guys are outliers, but Devontae Smith's already shown you that he's a massive outlier about what he did in college and senior year, winning the Heisman, this and that. So I want to get to the next receiver here. Cool. You, you brought him up, Jalen Waddell. I'm seeing him right now, late first, early second, and super flex rookie drafts. 5'10", 182, has shown way more production than uh, his predecessor, Ruggs, that, yep. you know, that, that, that train kind of came to a screeching halt. Waddle was on a huge tear before he got hurt, on pace for over 1,200 yards, double-digit touchdowns. We saw him try to fight through the ankle injury in the, in the natty. Love the fight. I'm sure that's a cool thing for, you know – locker room locker room stuff and nfl gms so i thought it was kind of silly though just from like a pro production standpoint anyways for jalen waddle i think he's gonna get first or second day draft capital are you at consensus on waddle you a little bit higher a little bit lower i think waddle's a top 12 pick in this draft Mm. and i think for me when i watch waddle i'm a bears fan and we've been over that there aren't many players that take my breath away like Devin Hester that that hold on to your seat your palms are getting sweaty because you know he's touching the football that's Jalen Waddle 
that's the type of explosiveness that he brings to the table, the type of home run ability. And he's probably the best special teams asset since Devin too. He's a legitimate all, he might walk into the NFL and be an all pro return man. That's going to be him. I mean, he is going to be an absolute nightmare as a punt returner. And he offers a ton in two phases, which is why I think NFL GMs are going to spend a high draft pick on him. Is he as refined a receiver as a guy like Devonta Smith? No. Is he as complete in terms of his profile, how he's ascending in like Jamar Chase? No. But will he have a role in the NFL immediately? Yeah, he will. And I think he's a guy that I think has a chance to be an absolute special playmaker. I just don't know what the volume looks like. And that's the tough thing is we also, we mentioned, I think before the show with Rashad Bateman. I'm, if, I'm a, if I'm a fantasy manager, I'm taking Bateman over Waddle because Bateman profiles as a player who might see 135, 145 targets. He profiles as a guy who's going to be the high volume option on an NFL offense. That's not going to be Jalen Waddle. It's, it's going to be a little more sparse, kind of like Deshaun Jackson in a sense, mm, right? More Where boom busts. Yep, yep. He can go six for 202. Or you can go one, <laughs> one for 19 on six targets. You know, that's going to be, I think, the type of player that he is. The highs are going to be weak winning highs. But the lows might lose you a few games. But you got to be okay with that. I mean, I love Jalen Waddle, man. He's, he's the most fun player to watch since Hester. And I might just draft him because I want to watch him. You know what I mean? If he goes to the Bears, I mean, everyone oh, in your league, the Bears. If he goes everyone to the Bears. in your league is sending you offers immediately. And I'm accepting probably 98% of them, <laughs> unless they involve like Najee Harris and them. We ain't talking about it. But no, nah, he's a dude's a special player, man. He's a fun player to watch. I don't know if he'll ever be like, a, all, like an all pro or pro bowl caliber wide receiver, but I think he's going to be a all pro return man, which, you know, I mean, that means something, right? I mean, he has value. So, and, and NFL teams will probably see that. When I look at, <clears throat> in rookie drafts, this chunk of wide receivers, for me, I actually have Bateman as my two of okay. just wide receivers in this group. It goes Chase, Bateman, Smith. But there is this group of, of like Jalen Waddle at this one-two turn, Waddle, Bateman, Rondell Moore, Terrace Marshall, Amon Ross St. Brown's kind of creeping in there too. This like stack of very solid wide receivers that you can get it as productive potentially in their first year. But it kind of just seems like pick your poison. What kind of profile do you like? Do you want the upside Jalen Waddle type guy? Or do you want more of a higher floor play, a more refined guy like a Bateman? I think that just comes down to personal taste. I would probably put more ahead of Waddle. That might be a hot take to some. Oh, what yeah, what do your rankings look like if you if you have man? Oof. Uh, I'm not okay. So I'm probably done with the first two tiers, and that the first tier is really simple. You know, it's Smith Chase Chase Smith. However you want to, however you want to slice it. Then after that, it gets kind of tricky. Depends what you want. I think Bateman is going to end up as my third receiver, and it's because I think he's going to be the highest volume receiver. Um, that means a lot. 
And, you know, we have Waddle, we have Moore. You know, you could put Terrace Marshall up there. I mean, there's a lot of guys that might fall in that second tier. But I think if I was going to pick two guys that would for sure be in there, it's going to be Waddle and Bateman. Um, I would take Bateman over Waddle because I think the vibe might be a little more consistent. Um, But, dude, you're going to have guys like Amari Rogers. Like who are gonna be later? You know, you he's can getting, get. He's getting some steam right now, dude. I love watching that kid play. I mean, he's gonna be a guy that you're probably gonna be drafting in this late, late second round or third round of your rookie draft. So I'm gonna take that all day long. I'm gonna take that value all day because I think he's a guy that's gonna um, play in the slot and win in the slot like a Randall Cobb type player, um, you know, and more so like Golden Tate. But he's going to be a player that's going to, you know, ascend pretty quick, I think, in the, in the ranks and could even be a second-round pick. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if he was. That's how, I think he's a pretty dang good player. But to answer your question, um, you know, off, if it's not the first two guys, if it's not Chase, not Smith, I'm, I'm taking Bateman for sure. So there's, there's two other wide receivers I want to get to. Then we can have a little LaVisca Chenault fireworks hype session at the end of this thing before we sign out. Terrace Marshall has been really driving up. For me, my, my draft boards, he's been driving really high up there. The more I, I continue to look at his tape, look at his stats from the year, took over for LSU this year with Jamar Chase opting out, highly touted prospect coming into college, 25% of the receiving yard share. That's pretty, pretty good. Balled out, and then he, he opted out for the back half of the season, and he was on pace for – as a, I want to say true junior, he may have redshirted. Don't quote me on that. But 89 receptions, 1,350 yards, 18 touchdowns, and he's 6'4", 200. So you look at him like a that's, – that's one of the profiles I love is like the A.J. Green, D.J. Mm-hmm. Chark type of profile. Sure. I, I think I'm willing to take him, and I, I think he can be more of like a jack-of-all-trades type receiver where he could be a field stretcher, but he could also be more of a red zone threat as well. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I, I like him a good bit. Uh, I think he's going to also ascend like a guy like Brandon Ayuk did to that mid, mid-late first round. Um, that's where I think he ends up going. Uh, how fun would it be, you know, for him to make the back end of the first round and, and be in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers? Well, if oh, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. But, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think he's going to go to a team that needs, an, needs a, you know, your, an X receiver. I, I don't think he's going to move around a ton in the NFL. I don't think he has a lateral skill set to be a guy who plays all three positions and plays them well. But I think he's going to be a pretty dang good X receiver at the NFL level. So he's going to be a guy if you're, you know, in the back end of the first round in rookie drafts, like pick 111, 112. Um, that I might look at, look at, look at hammering because I think he's going to be a guy that comes in and, uh, has the potential to be a, a top target on offense. Most recent mocks I saw have him going 14th overall. So early second, I think you yeah. can get him. Uh, depending on how, where guys in your league value him, he's, again, in that Waddle, Bateman, Moore, Terrace Marshall's right there. Uh, and I can see him moving up as we get closer to draft season once we know some of these landing spots. Last one we'll touch on from this class, Diami Brown. Wide receiver out of UNC, broke out huge as a sophomore, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, was a touchdown machine at UNC, 6'1", 185. 
He is a field stretcher. He is a vertical threat. I think he's not one-dimensional, but he's not going to give you everything you want per se. But think like a John Brown, Kenny Stills, if I had to comp him to a receiver playing now. His hands weren't the best. A lot of drops in college. But where are you at? I'm curious to get your two cents on Diami Brown. I think it's really tough to predict the volume that players like Brown um, will get kind of coming in the NFL because he's going to make his money on the third level, right? He's going to make his money down the field. So it depends on where he goes, right? Henry Ruggs profile is a guy who's going to make his money down the field. He landed in Yikes. Las Vegas and I don't think, you know, his value is, you know, tanked. I don't know where Brown goes. I don't know how high he goes. He's kind of that enigma for me where he could very well, he could go top 15. I wouldn't be shocked. Really? He could go really high or he could go in the mid end, you know, mid to back half the second round. Um, it depends on how teams really view him. He might be one of those players who's a better football player than he is a fancy asset. That's what I think he might end up being. He's electric, fun to watch. Very much a Will Fuller from a role perspective early on in Will Fuller's career, but he wasn't the quote-unquote alpha. So that's why I went with the I went with the Kenny Stills. It was like I want Will I, Fuller, but a little bit taken. I like off it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but he's a good player, man. He's fun, fun to watch. Electric athlete. Uh, but I, I just don't know, you know, how the NFL is going to view him and his skill set in terms of being is he is he going to turn to a true three-level threat or is he going to be more of the guy who makes his money in the third levels and just and just takes the top off of a defense and becomes a big decoy and that type of thing. So LaVisca Chenault, does he finish as a wide receiver one next year? Yes or yes? Oh my God. I mean, you're giving me yes or yes. So I got to, I guess I guess. <laughs> uh, but no, man. <laughs> I mean, I love Visca. He's, he's a fun player to watch it. <laughs> At six feet, 230 pounds, dang near like, the guy had a he had a pretty good rookie year. Um, if you look at all like just man, like Minshew wasn't playing for most of the year. I mean, you have, you, dude, you have Mike Glennon throwing you the rock. Yikes! Like, come on, man. I mean, Trevor Lawrence coming in there and Urban Meyer. If he ends up being Urban Meyer's Percy Harvin, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Then, hey, man, we're we're wheels up. Like, we're we're in for a treat. I mean, if he stays healthy, he he could end up being a high end wide receiver three low-end wide receiver two this year. Um, he might end up as the, you know, the best fantasy option in that Jacksonville offense. Like, we don't know. But he's a guy, I mean, I am on almost all of my teams because, I was, because I was waiting. For, I was like, okay, they're going to draft Justin Fields. And the Jets just totally made a giant mistake, an organizational failure. And now we had, we had Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer. I mean, man, like his the Visca's stock is pointing way, way up. So I'm I'm pumped to see how they use him. I would like to see him incorporated more as a traditional rusher. Um, I like to see him being second in carries behind James Robinson. That probably won't happen, but um, he's fun, man. Fun, fun player. He, he's going to be a big fancy asset too um, if Meyer uses him like Percy Harvin. And, and Curtis Samuel, another guy from that same vein yeah, uh -huh. with Urban at Ohio State. The way that they were using LaVisca this year, I feel like we can't over-index that because they were using him as like just an underneath guy. 
Yeah, he played and he's so much more. Yeah, he played Z a lot. He he ran a ton of underneath routes. He didn't he didn't run a ton of vertical. He had a nice a nice touchdown against the Bears in garbage time um, on a vertical route. But it's it's just kind of perplexing. It's like he needs to be schemed in the space, but he's also a good he really good on stop routes, corner routes, I mean, um, curl routes, and comebacks and. He's a good receiver. He could develop into a true, true, true three-level threat. So I don't know how Meyer's going to use him, but I'm I'm excited to find out if they get Trevor Lawrence. I, I, I'll put it on wax right now. I, I think LaVisca Chenault is the top wide receiver next year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like I, oh. I have him over Chark. I'm in a league where I got both the guys, Chark and LaVisca, on one roster. And I'm, I'm actually trying to sell Chark right now while his hype is real because everyone's just saying, oh, it's definitely Chark. I don't know if it's definitely Chark. Yeah, I agree. It, it's it's going to – I think it's closer than people think. I think LaVisca Chanel is more of a weapon than Chark is, obviously. Um, but just how Meyer's going to use that versatility. Is it going to be like a Curtis Samuel? Is it going to be like a Percy Harvin where he's touching the ball all over the place um, and he's a focal point of that offense? Um, or is it going to be like more the same, you know, last year with Gruden where it's, you know, like he's a decoy for most of the year. So I, we'll see. I'm excited, man. It'll be fun. I'm, I'm so pumped for LaVisca. I, I think this is probably the second or third episode now where, where I'm hyping him up here, but uh, I'm all in on him, man. But, but Angelo, really appreciate you taking the time to join today. Super insightful. I learned a ton. About to take all this, go back to the lab, take another deep dive. Got the wind in my sails here. Ready to run through a brick wall. Guys, go follow Angelo on Twitter. He's one of the best Twitter follows if you are into fantasy, if you play Dynasty Leagues. That's Angelo underscore football. You can check out his website, angeloanalysis.com. Beautiful website. He's got the LaVisca Chanel hype gif as soon as you open it up. But anything else you want to plug before we jump off here? No, man. You know, I really appreciate you having me on. Um, You said it all. I mean, it's been a ton of fun. Um, Hope to have you help me have me on again soon. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Once we know these landing spots, so we can we can hype up the rookie draft guide and go all in on these guys. Uh, I'm pumped, but appreciate y'all listening and watching. If you like what we do here, like and a sub, always appreciated. And we'll see you next time. Peace.